How did you happen to get in here? I ran here. You scared the daylights out of me last night. Seems like the truth shouldn't scare anybody, man or boy. Hello everyone and welcome to uh, When It Was Cool Dark. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm your host, Carl Stern. This show is produced and distributed by WhenItWasCool.com. and is part of the When It Was Cool podcasting network. Uh, we're also heard at WrestlingObserver.com, Figure4Online.com, Dark Matter Digital Network, and anywhere you would expect a major podcast to be playing, that's where we are. So we hope you will subscribe to all of our shows on whatever podcast app you have, and uh, we are in part of a uh, we are in a series rather called "100 of the Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History." Now we are well into this series now. In fact, we're in the latter one fourth of it. We are nearly finished with our series. Yes, I know there has been a lot of death and, and depressing stories throughout this series, but I hope it has uh, encouraged you to go back and check out the art that uh, many of the people we've talked about uh, were part of and uh, to keep the memory and the spirit alive to some of those who have uh, uh, met tragic ends. And uh, today's, uh, well, I guess it involves the death at the very end, though not directly from this incident. But this is, in my opinion, a dark moment in pop culture history that uh, directly affected the state I live in, which is the state of Alabama. And in fact, it uh, involves a place I've been to. Here in uh, Alabama, we have uh, two major uh, college football teams. You may, may even say three, but but two for sure. There's Alabama and Auburn, and uh, some might throw UAB in there as well. But for uh, for the large colleges, universities, the University of Alabama, of course, is a NCAA football powerhouse with numerous national championships, numer- numerous Heisman Trophy winners. Everybody, of course, is aware. If you've been around the last 20 years and paid even remote attention to college football, Alabama has been a powerhouse under the uh, under Nick Saban. And then uh, back even years ago uh, under Coach uh, Bear Bryant. So Alabama football, a huge deal in the state of Alabama. And their number one rival comes from South Alabama, which is Auburn University, located in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, in the in here in Alabama, it's it's very much a very much part of our culture. You are either an Alabama fan or you are an Auburn fan, whether you even care about football or not. You identify as one or the other, and usually you are very passionate about it. In fact, as we'll see with today's story, uh, you can be overly passionate about it sometimes. And it has been described as this, and I I would not disagree, that Alabama and Auburn football in the state of Alabama is almost a religion. Now, that may sound silly to some of you, sound weird, and I guess in a lot of ways it kind of is. But you have to understand that 
uh, Alabama doesn't have a huge population center. Our biggest uh, three cities are uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, and Mobile, Alabama. And while Huntsville and uh, and Birmingham are you know medium sized cities. We don't have a professional football team anywhere in the state of Alabama. We've had some like, um, you know, USFL teams, uh, you know, XFL teams and things like that in the, in the past. But as far as an NFL team, we do not have one. The closest ones to Alabama, uh, would be the Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons, and, uh, the New Orleans Saints. And really nobody in the state of Alabama super identifies with any of those like you don't see a lot of the memorabilia uh, sold around here nfl football just not that big a deal in the state of alabama Uh, so our quote pro teams are actually going to be alabama and auburn and auburn is kind of like that spoiler okay they often have oftentimes in the past done quite well in, in football. They've had Heisman Trophy winners as well and national championships. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a very solid, or at least have been in the past, very solid football team. They've struggled in the last several years. But regardless of that, the one big game that happens in November of every year is between Alabama and Auburn. And regardless of what the record of either team is, that game uh, is always, oftentimes anyway, very, very close. And uh, that game is obviously stirs a lot of passions. There are very often following that football game stories of people being arrested for, for fighting about the outcome or some call in the game or, or something like that. So people can be ridiculously passionate, almost religiously fanatical about football here in the state of Alabama. It is, I think, without question, the number one pastime in the state of Alabama. In fact, I couldn't even think of what could come second, maybe fishing or golf or something like that. I'm not sure, but really nothing competes with football as far as uh, as a hobby goes in the state of Alabama. And we're going to focus on Auburn first off, and I actually, uh, I did not attend the University of, of Auburn, although I had a friend that did, and I had intentions of going to Auburn University. Uh, when we graduated high school, uh, he uh, got accepted into Auburn, and I uh, went down there and then got an apartment, and I moved down there with him with the uh, understanding that uh, I was going to get a job down there and work and uh, go to a junior college until I finally could get accepted into Auburn myself. Uh, I, I needed, uh, I didn't uh, uh, have some of the basic classes that I needed, so I needed to kind of uh, lay down some of that groundwork first before I went to the major university. And so that was the plan. Uh, we go down there. And so for a little while, I actually lived uh, in Auburn and uh, worked in, in Opelika, which is uh, just next door to Auburn. And so I was very familiar with, you know, the, the, the football traditions down there, and one of which is called Toomer's Corner. Okay, and so Toomer's Corner is really a kind of a nondescript downtown little uh, area. Uh, it's at the uh, corner of the intersection of Magnolia a- Avenue and College Street, and it's basically just downtown. There's a drugstore uh, nearby, and uh, there are just some, uh, or were rather, some uh, some trees there. 
And every time Auburn would have a big win or something, it was tradition for students and uh, fans of Auburn football to go down there and roll those trees. Now, I presume many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that, but it's a, one of those things where we take toilet paper and throw up in the trees. It's a, you know, just a way of, oh, it's weird when you think about it, but it's a way of celebrating a victory. And so uh, right there across from uh, Tumor's Drugs were these uh, oak trees, and, and this would have been a tradition going back uh, a long, long time. And uh, needless to say, this was, uh, you know, a point of contention for Alabama fans who would oftentimes make fun of, you know, people from Auburn for rolling the trees at Tumor's Corner. Well, one fan mm, took it pretty, pretty doggone far. His name was Harvey Updike. And we're going to talk about the saga of Mr. Updike and what happened at Tumor's Corner uh, down in Auburn, Alabama. And this all started with a call-in to a radio show. There was a uh, radio sports talk host named Paul Feinbaum. He was also a, a newspaper uh, sports writer. He is the probably the most, well, I wouldn't say probably, he is almost certainly the uh, most well-known sports writer uh, in our state. He was, uh, you know, I think he started out with some local news down here and worked his way up into being a uh, much larger, much larger syndicated thing with ESPN and and uh, on a talk show, sports talk show network. And so oftentimes fans of Alabama and Auburn football would call in and, uh, you know, talk to the Paul Feinbaum show. So what happened was in the year 2010, the trees at Tumor's Corner were poisoned using a herbicide called Spike 80DF. Two months later, on January 27, 2011, the perpetrator called into the Paul Feinbaum sports talk show to confess the actions which were presumed to have been driven by Alabama's loss the previous week in the Iron Bowl against Auburn in 2010. So somebody poisoned these old trees at Tumor's Corner to kill them, and uh, the perpetrator was unknown until they call in to the Paul Feinbaum show. The phone call was tracked, and the perpetrator, Harvey Updike, was arrested. Updike, formerly of Dadeville, Alabama, was sentenced to pay a fine and spend time in jail, after which time he would be placed on probation. After the trees were poisoned, efforts to save them were unsuccessful. The corner was eventually restored with untainted soil and replanted with two new, fully grown southern live oak trees. While the soil and the trees were replaced, people were restricted from rolling the trees with paper until they acclimated to their environment. In 2016, the trees were replaced for a second time after they were set on fire by Joaquin West following Auburn's win over Louisiana State University. Attempts were again made to save the trees, but the trees were determined unlikely to survive. The other trees bordering College Street were not affected by the fire, but had failed to grow properly for unknown reasons. In February 2017, two fully grown trees were planted to replace the tree that had failed and the tree that had been lit ablaze. So twice, 
some fan of another university, although the most famous one being the Harvey Updike situation, killed the trees at Toomer's Corner. So what's so important about Toomer's Corner? Well, Toomer's Corner was named after a businessman and former state senator, Shelton Toomer, a former halfback for the first Auburn squad in 1892. Toomer founded Toomer's Drugs in 1896, which was started with a $500 loan from John Reese, and Toomer later founded the Bank of Auburn on the corner of Magnolia Avenue and College Street in 1907. The pharmacy was later sold in 1952 by Toomer to Mac and Elizabeth Lipscomb, who chose against renaming the pharmacy. In 1962, Auburn fans and students began to celebrate their games by covering the power lines outside of the pharmacy and the trees directly opposite with toilet paper. There is much controversy over when the rolling the corner became a celebration for all things Auburn. It is theorized by David Housel that it began in 1972 when then number 9 Auburn scored an upset in the Iron Bowl against number 2 Alabama, a game remembered by the title Punt Bama Punt, a very famous college football game. The rolling of the corner was initially set off by the employees that had worked at Toomer's Drug Pharmacy using an inventive way to signal a victory for Auburn while playing away games. They would throw the ticker tape for their telegraph onto the power lines outside the store. In 1984, the drug store was sold to Mark Morgan. Five years after the store was sold to Morgan, the Iron Bowl made its first stop in Auburn and was one of the first times Toomer's Corner was covered with endless rolls of toilet paper. The store has been resold a couple times in the 1990s, but the tradition that Toomer's Corner sparked has remained. The power lines have since been relocated underground, but Auburn's tradition of rolling the trees on the southeast part of the corner has never slowed. As of 2019, Toomer's Corner continues to bring fans, residents, and even visitors of Auburn around the historic corner. Now, you heard me refer to the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl is the uh, traditional name for the uh, late November, usually right around Thanksgiving, just before Thanksgiving, uh, game between the University of Alabama and the University of Auburn. Alabama, of course, the University of Alabama, located in Tuscaloosa in the central part of the state, and Auburn uh, down in the uh, southern part of the state. So it's an interstate rivalry. And it was called the Iron Bowl because every year the two teams met in the middle, so to speak, in Birmingham, which is the Iron City. They would play at Legion Field. And uh, Birmingham was built on the steel industry and the, the red iron ore that, that come from Red Mountain uh, down in Birmingham, and thus it was called the Iron Bowl. Now, that tradition has since ended. The Iron Bowl is no longer played in Birmingham. Uh, starting back in the 1990s, they began splitting up between the University of Alabama and the University of Auburn, where the uh, football game would take place each year. But the name remained, the, the Iron Bowl name uh, kept its name. So let's talk about one Harvey Updike in this very controversial story, one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history, fandom gone too far. Alabama fan explains why he poisoned Auburn oak trees. Auburn tree killer on why he poisoned the tumors corner oak trees. 
I wanted Auburn people to hate me as much as I hate them. And this article comes from March 7th. 2019, Scooby Axon has appeared in Sports Illustrated magazine. Why would somebody be so fanatical about football, a game, a literal game? Well, as this article says, an Alabama fan who poisoned tumorous oak trees at Auburn University opened up about why he did it, saying he just doesn't like the Crimson Tide's biggest rival, Harvey Updike Jr., poisoned the 80-year-old trees in 2011 and was eventually busted after he called into the Paul Feinbaum radio show admitting the crime. He also left a phone message to an Auburn professor saying he knew who poisoned the tree. Now, before we return to the Sports Illustrated uh, article on that, um, let me just point out that this was, I mean, this was heavily covered in the news down here. Very, very heavily covered. Uh, it made all the the evening news for weeks afterwards. Uh, all the stations in Birmingham, especially, which was at that point in time the largest city in Alabama, Huntsville has since surpassed it, uh, regularly updated this story. So, but whether you were a big football fan or not, you knew the story of Harvey, Harvey Updike poisoning the trees. Updike Jr., the article continues, pleaded guilty to a Class C felony of criminal damage of agriculture facility and was ordered to serve at least six months in jail, spend five years on supervised proba- probation, and ordered to pay $800,000 in restitution. At the time this article was written back in 2019, Updike's probation had recently ended, allowing him to speak to the media about the incident. Quote, I wanted Auburn people to hate me as much as I hate them, Updike tells CBS News in a podcast named Mobituaries, hosted by Mo Rocca. I just didn't like Auburn, added Updike, who is banned from Auburn's campus for life. You know, there are several things in this world that I really and truly don't like, and Auburn is one of them. Updike told CBS News he planned the crime for a month and placed a special herbicide called Spike 80DF on the trees. Updike poured 500 times the amount of herbicide actually needed to kill the trees. Every night I'd stay up all night long, and they used to have cameras on the trees, and I figured out when the slowest time, what day of the week, and what out of the night was the slowest time around those oak trees so I could go there at that time and not get caught, Updike said. The full podcast uh, is now available uh, from uh, Sports Illustrated. I mean, this obviously this guy had some serious, serious mental health issues. I mean, to, to take... I mean, it almost reminds you of, like, political fanaticism, right? That, uh, that somebody would go to this this length over a football game we would come back after the break we'll talk more about alabama auburn football what happened to harvey updike very i mean very colorful individual to be sure uh you know he had one of those giant handlebar mustaches and and look you know kind of like a uh, a more frail wilford brimley if you would what in the world would uh would uh, 
influence somebody to do something like that. Let's talk about it when we come back right after this. We depend on Patreon support for our website and podcast network. In order to continue these podcasts you enjoy, we need you to visit whenitwascool.com and pledge at least $1. You'll gain access to lots of exclusive podcasts, newsletters, and more. Sign up is quick, simple, and can be canceled at any time. Whenitwascool.com and click any Patreon link. Thank you. Now, some of you may wonder uh, whether I am a Alabama football fan or an Auburn football fan, as I've already told you. I uh, I did live in Auburn for a short period of time, although, as it turns out, I never actually went to college there. No, I ended up coming back to the northern part of the state. And uh, my friend who went to Auburn also uh, came back and went to a uh, a college up here in the northern part of the state as well. So I never ended up going to Auburn. I did have a sister, however, that went to the University of Alabama and graduated from there. Uh, but I've never really felt passionately one way or the other. I would say uh, uh, my early years, maybe my, my high school years or whatever, I was more of an Auburn fan. But uh, I would say throughout most of my adult life, I've been more of an Alabama fan. I mean, Look, you, you can't really say much about Alabama football, can you? They've been enormously successful, maybe the most successful uh, college football franchise uh, in the United States, going all the way back to the, the Paul Bear Bryant era. Uh, he was a you know, childhood legend, and uh, when everybody talked about football when I was a kid, of course it was Bear Bryant and the college uh, football uh, uh, championships that uh, University of Alabama won. And for... Uh, my adult life has been, of course, the Nick Saban uh, championships. Alabama had kind of a down period in in the middle there, but that boy, they have come back <laughs> with a vengeance, you would say. So uh, I've been an Alabama fan you know, for many years now, for the most part. Um, there is certainly a very uh, religious fervor toward college football more so than in a lot of places. There are probably some places that it, it is similar, but boy, I bet there's not many that's, that's anywhere close to as uh, vehemently passionate about college football as it is here in the state of Alabama. The uh, website Bleacher Report did an article back in 2015 called Five Years Later, Harvey Updike in the Day a Rivalry Went Too Far. And uh, they have uh, some more information about this uh, story. It has been five years now, and at Auburn, they're still hoping the new trees on Tumor's Corner will survive. Well, as we know, they did until somebody set them on fire again. So, again, (laughs) there's a twist in this story between when this was written and, and now. The Bleacher Report article continues, at this point, they feel that having dug down eight feet below the old trees, they did get below the poison that killed them. They took all that dirt to the landfill, put in a drainage system, removed all the poisoned water nearby, and made sure, as best they could, that the other water in the area that would work its way over wasn't poisoned also. Still, one of the replacement trees died. And now they're nurturing, nurturing the replacement for a replacement. The tree went in July, said Auburn horticulture professor Dr. Gary Kiever, who has been used heavily as an advisor throughout the ordeal. The above ground portion hasn't changed, but the other tree put out a flush of growth in the spring, so we're optimistic. Unless another Harvey Updike comes along, well, spoiler alert, 
they did. Another Harvey Updike, that's an interesting concept. This Saturday is the Alabama-Auburn football game. At the time this article was written, the Iron Bowl. It might be the most passionate college football rivalry out there, one that has something special that so many others lack. Passion that five years ago boiled over in such memorable fashion. Auburn won the Iron Bowl that year, and Updike, an Alabama fan, retaliated. So say the courts, anyway. Updike has denied his role on some occasions and admitted it on others. Either way, it was two months later when Updike called into the Paul Feinbaum radio show describing himself as Al from Dadeville and said he had poisoned the trees at Toomer's Corner. Keep in mind, we would get a lot of outrageous claims on the show, said Pat Smith, longtime producer of Feinbaum's show and now in content development for cross-digital multimedia. But when he started talking and saying what he had done, I came running down the hall to the control room. You could sense something in his voice that he had done something completely unfathomable in this rivalry. Of course, Smith said he wasn't positive, but then the Auburn police called after Al from Dadeville hung up. And a few days later, someone from a state senator's office called to say they should expect a call from the FBI or Homeland Security over that phone call from that crazy guy, Smith said. I said, you mean he really did that? He said, Pat, the trees are dead. The issue is they believed he put so much poison in the ground that it could affect the water supply. It elevated real quick from crazy guy wanting to get back at something done to the Bear Bryant statue to a potential terrorist threat. And yes, there was apparently some vandalism to a Bear Bryant statue in Tuscaloosa that may have also uh, had some encouragement to this uh, retaliation. Harvey Updike went to prison for what he did and was fined $800,000, an amount he'll never make a dent into. There's a certain amount of sensitivity about Updike. He went through several attorneys during his case and ended up with two of them. One told Bleacher Report to contact the other one for this story. The other one didn't respond to a request. The story capitulated Feinbaum from a college football media star uh, in the southeast with growing national interest into a full-fledged national media star. What does he think about the whole thing? An ESPN spokesperson said that Feinbaum told her he already said everything he has to say about it. Yes, someone who talks for a living said they didn't want to talk about it. And up, Doc, he politely wrote via direct message, I'm sorry I was advised not to do any more interviews. Feinbaum has contacted multiple times, and I've turned them down. Yes, he was on Feinbaum's show a handful of times over the years. Yeah, can you believe that? He actually went back on there. And one time, Smith said, Updike, a former Texas state trooper. Yes, he was a former Texas state trooper. That's unbelievable, right? Um came to the studio and just sat there without a microphone and watched Feinbaum do a radio for a few hours while members of the show's staff stared through the big window at him. In some ways, Southern football came across, could cross the line at times, going from religion to near cult. And boy, is that ever true. Smith talked about the culture of sports talk radio in the South, where regular colorful callers can become celebrities themselves. Maybe that's enough to push someone who is already close to the line. There was absolutely zero remorse from him, Kiever said. Case in point, 
Updike's Twitter account. He tweets incessantly. He mostly brags about Alabama football, mixing in some caring personal messages and far right wing political comments. And then there are ones like this. Harvey Updike on Twitter on November 19, 2015 says, I have been called a horticulture terrorist before. <laughs> or some similar sentiments with less safe for work language. Surely most Alabama fans don't claim Updike. But he does have a level of fame and popularity and he doesn't seem to feel the need to hide from it. Back on the Auburn campus, Kiever explained that the original trees carried emotional value. They were the backdrop of memories to Auburn families for decades. They used to produce acorns, which were sold off for charity. Uh, some of the acorns were planted off campus and are growing into oak trees now. Those trees are being moved near the site of the original ones. Meanwhile, it was tradition for Auburn fans to throw massive amounts of toilet paper on the trees. Volunteers would clean it up after big wins and big events. Auburn is a little unsure if the replacement tree can handle that and has asked fans to hold off on doing that again until next year. Kiever suspects that, despite increased cameras and security around the trees, if Auburn wins the Iron Bowl Saturday, the fans won't be able to control themselves. That might not be a problem, though. On Twitter, Updike predicts Alabama by a blowout. Well, so uh, another... Uh, interesting look there into Harvey Updike and, and, uh, his, his crimes against nature, quite literally. So how did this story end? Well, the ending goes as such. AL.com reports July 30th, 2020. Alabama fan Harvey Updike, poisoner of Auburn trees, dead at age 71. Harvey Updike, the Alabama football fan who made national headlines when he poisoned trees at Auburn University's Tumors Corner in 2010, has died. His son, and get this, his son's name is Bear Updike. Yes, named after Bear Bryant. His son, Bear Updike, told AL.com that his father died Thursday afternoon of natural causes in Louisiana, where he had been living. He was 71. Harvey Updike became a household name among Alabama sports fans in 2011 when he called into the Paul Feinbaum radio show claiming to have poisoned Auburn's iconic trees after the Tigers' win in the Iron Bowl the previous November. Let me tell you what I did, Updike told Feinbaum on live radio. The weekend after the Iron Bowl, I went to Auburn because I lived 30 miles away and I poisoned the two tumors' trees. I put Spike ADDF in them. They're not dead yet, but they definitely will die. He later pleaded guilty in 2013 to a felony charge of criminal damage of an agricultural facility and spent more than 70 days in jail. Updike, a former Texas state trooper, was ordered to pay $800,000 in court-ordered penalties and restitution, but had only paid about $6,900 by last October. Auburn later cut down the oak trees and replaced them. And, of course, we know how that story also <laughs> come to an end there as well. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing to me how passionate some people get. I, I could almost understand it when it comes to politics. Like, I can understand uh, how some people can get so 
engrossed in politics because they deal with ideals, they deal with laws, they deal with uh, things people think are right or wrong in society, uh, moral values and things like that. I can, I can see how people get cheerleaded by talking heads into, uh, you know, irrational actions when it involves politics. Uh, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't participate in it myself. And I, I see through uh, so much of the rhetoric that I, you know, understand that, that most of it can't be trusted and that they're playing on your emotions. With sports, it's a little bit harder to, a little bit harder to define. And it's a scary thing. Oftentimes people want to create a boogeyman. They want to create some sort of, uh, idealistic reason. They want to, to, to do something. They want to create some kind of bad guy that they can rail against. They're, they're dissatisfied with their lives or something in society and they want something to punish. Uh, therefore they make, uh, fans of a football team, uh, fans of a, any sort of sports team, their, uh, moral target. Uh, if you like this thing, you must be evil. There's, there's some moral wrong with being even a fan of this. And, and you think that's quite a leap in logic, but quite honestly, it's not. Uh, it starts with something as simple as, oh, this team uh, beats my favorite team because they cheat or they have an unfair advantage or they do something uh, that is um, uh, that is, is unfair to, to my team and what we're doing. And from there, they build upon, well, if you can cheer for somebody like that, if you can cheer for a team uh, like that, then you yourself must be a bad person. And therefore, I am morally in the right, morally correct in retaliating against that. And therefore, suddenly you make yourself in the right and the other person in the wrong when there is really, in reality, uh, nothing uh, much to it. I've always said it's funny to me people oftentimes accuse the referees of cheating when they're losing, <laughs> uh, they never say, boy, our team, we sure are winning today. Thank goodness those crooked referees were on our side today. You never hear that statement made, right? You, you always see an evil uh, when it's your favorite thing on the losing end. And uh, that seems to get into some people's heads and seems to really, uh, really work them up. Well, we're not getting worked up about it here. We realize crazy when we see it. We realize uh, uh, moral uh, wrongdoing when we see it. And uh, certainly Harvey Updike was definitely in the wrong there. It's too bad. I remember those trees down at Tumor's Corner. And it's, it's too bad that somebody can take a sports rivalry that far. Well, thank you very much for listening to our show. This has been When It Was Cool Dark. I hope you will go to whatever your favorite podcasting app is. Type in the words When It Was Cool. You'll see the uh, three main shows we do are When It Was Cool uh, retro podcast when it was cool wrestling and when it was cool dark hope you'll subscribe to all those rate and review and support us at when it was cool.com the best way you can do that is to become a patreon supporter we have over 2,000 shows in our archives and we look very forward to seeing you thank you very much for listening and i'll see you here again soon with another show here's a soundbite from the when it was cool podcast from when it was cool.com
Uncle Luke of Two Live Crew, and I, I wouldn't have thought of Two Live Crew again in my life, probably, and then I brought him up on this show. That I bet you didn't listen to a lot of Two Live Crew back in the day, did you? I was aware of it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I wasn't going to set you up and say, let's play some Two Live Crew, Tanya. No, see how okay. you like. See I'm how you aware. Like we was listening to some of the songs. I think I got my first kick, of, like my first feel of it at the fair. And I'm like, wow, this is some... Who is playing Two Live Crew at the fair? What? <laughs> what kind of fair was this? <laughs> it was... It was <laughs> What? I, mean, I remember it being i was on like that polar that it was called it was a, a it was a ride because called the polar and it it, it slung you around real fast okay tell <laughs> and, me more and i can remember this song being on and i can remember I, it was start going really really fast and i was thinking okay this song is really really dirty yes <laughs> <laughs> And there was little kids on there. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, like, but I mean, no, not on the ride, but there was little kids around, and I was thinking <laughs> this song is really bad. You can get more from this podcast and many others by going to WhenItWasCool.com, and remember, support us on Patreon. If you liked what you heard, go to WhenItWasCool.com. This is the sound of the '80s. Everybody's looking for it, and we've got it. And hit that Patreon button. If you'll excuse me, I need to go buy a new Cindy Lauper CD and have myself a little cry.